0: there we go so we are back again for another beautiful mind gain ep- episode and bad news in the world of in, in my world because my laptop has died because of all this editing and all of this post-production for this podcast that we're looking at producing and developing so maybe <clears throat> maybe that's the sign Millie for us doing too much too soon but I I, don't, I couldn't care less because I'm loving what we're doing right now how are you doing today Millie you okay
1: yeah I'm brilliant and to be honest I'm just thankful to- to you and to your laptop for all of the things you've had to take (laughs) (laughs) I'm just over here on my phone so (laughs) thank you very much for that and yeah no it's been brilliant like you said I mean to be able to have so much content is great and today is another brilliant one and I am very excited for this I know you are Hams as well
0: the, the worst thing The worst thing about this one is I have no excuse not to see this guy anymore because I've already committed to seeing this guy after this <laughs> podcast as well. I know for a fact he's had a podcast previously at the same time, so he knows about the ins and outs of running a podcast. But the, the fact that we've got uh, a personal trainer, kind of like yourself, really, who has a dual career at the same time, is doing different things at the same time, which is really good. And he's focused more on performance as well as just focusing on your own kind of uh, getting men and women to be uh, more confident, not just in the gym, but outside of the gym as well, which is great. And there's also a football coach as well. So we have got another multi talented guest, like we always do on the Beautiful Mind Game podcast. So I'd like to introduce Mike to our podcast. So, Mike, thank you very much for taking the time out today to speak to us. How are you doing?
2: My pleasure to start. And yeah, very good. um It's very strange being on this side because I always used to introduce ours. So I'm like, this feels very strange to not say anything, but no. You're the
0: guest uh, for us. You are the guest for <laughs> us. I mean, if you want to be the second if you want to be the second co-host for me, that's absolutely fine. But some episodes Millie's like the main host, so she does really well in that respect as well. So thank you very much for joining the podcast today. I'm looking forward to learning a lot more about yourself as well. And learning more about how it's kind of been being a personal trainer, especially from starting just before lockdown as well. So I want to get straight into how you kind of got involved in personal training, if that's okay, Mike.
2: Yeah, no. um, It's kind of funny because I've always been involved in sport to some degree. Um, Went to uni and did sport development and coaching with the actual idea of going into being a PE teacher. Okay. Drove away from that because I wanted to be directly working with people that kind of wanted to be there, not just like a behavioural management kind of aspect. Mm. So drove into going to uni, doing level one and two for football, level one for goalkeeping, and then a little bit of futsal as well. So I've I've always been driven some degree through football itself. And then I played when I was younger, but I was vertically challenged. So I didn't progress as far as I typically would have hoped, but I got in on the other side of it and I really enjoyed it. So that drove me through. And then I've been a sport instructor on cruise ships for three years at one point. What? Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people didn't expect that one.
0: <laughs> how, did that, how did that come about? That's crazy. I had no idea about that. So
2: I actually applied for a coaching job in the UK and hmm. the company emailed me back and said, like, look, we've got no more roles for this job. Would you like a different job interview instead? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, it's probably just going to be somewhat similar. And they like... Yeah, so we'll give you a call, we'll explain it all, but went through a load of interviews and then it was basically a surf simulator instructor and a rock wall instructor for the majority of the ships and then other ships had more, depending on the size. Okay. And um, I think from that interview, five months later, I flew, I was meant to go to Texas and then they flew me to South Korea instead. As you do
0: from one side of the world to the other side of the world. Just oh, like yeah, that.
2: like I think I'm on thirty-two countries by this at this point, but it's it's kind of funny because you just deal with lots of different people and lots of different cultures as I went through because I think I've ticked off almost every continent. Oh. But yeah, anyway, this this is going well off topic, but um, that basically just went into a one-to-one basis, like a lot of like younger people and then people kind of like my age now just helping them develop in their, in whatever they wanted to do because they actually wanted to be there. They enjoyed the aspect of it. So I did that, came back, worked for my protein for a few months. Mm. And then I was like, you know what? I want to get back into that space. So personal training seemed like the one to go. And then I kind of wanted to incorporate it to what I'm doing now. So I'm doing SNC as well on the side.
0: What is SNC just, trying... just for our listeners who don't know yeah. what
2: that is? So, basically, just strength and conditioning. So, like, yeah. personal training comes in at like two and three. Okay. Like level two is your gym instructor. And then level three is like a personal trainer kind of thing. Like, yeah. middle, middle of this one. So, then when you get into like the deeper dives, you'll have like level four, for like nutrition, level mm. four, for like performance and everything else. So, like, I've done a lot more courses out of it because you get the qualification but you're never truly ready to be a personal trainer because the was like oh yeah you'll you'll get it as you get the experience but then you can't really help people without having the experience but then you also don't know what you're addressing yeah like a lot of it now is working into like rehab like injury prevention but then also like working directly with injuries just so people even on a day-to-day, can move yeah, move and work to their best ca- capabilities. And then obviously that, that then builds into understanding the ins and outs of performance itself and then incorporating what I've done in the past for football and kind of being like, right, I know how a player moves, I know how a player thinks, and I know as time goes on during a match how they more than likely get injured as well. So how can I use that knowledge and this knowledge to just help as many people as they have, regardless. So,
1: just yeah. a quick one, how does personal training differ from strength and conditioning? Like if I was someone who wanted to come to you, how would I know whether to go for personal training or go for strength and conditioning? Is it is there an option for both or what are the differences? Just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah.
2: yeah. So it basically just works into the realm of like, I feel like personal training just kind of just goes through an example of what you will typically have in the gym just with a bit more detail. The S and C is talking into, right. Okay. What application do we need to do? Like I do a lot more in terms of velocity work and like, okay, if we want to get strong, what do we need to do for this? If we need to get more powerful, what do we need to do for this?
3: Mm -hmm.
2: There's certain realms within certain spaces, but then also understanding how they all piece together. So one big thing for me is you can't develop power without having strength and you can't really develop a certain degree of strength without having a certain degree of muscle so obviously it's going to progressively build over time but if you're not sure where that plugs in or you're just going into a session and just being like well 10 reps of that seems absolutely fine for me you might not necessarily build the capacity for what you need to do and improve over time but it also might not be specific to you If I've got someone that wants to build on their jumping capability, I'm not really fussed about what their overhead press strength is. So it's direct work. And then is it the application of how they actually do something where a squat will build strength, but if I need someone to sprint quicker, what are the mechanics behind that? And I think Mm -hmm. it's just the finer details that personal training for me doesn't like give you as an option. So it's going over like a lot of different stuff. Like I do biomechanics as well for the gym side of things, as well as just as an individual. And there's a lot of moving parts that people don't look at in terms of like, okay, a split squat. A split squat's on movement, but it's like I can look at that five different ways. I've lost count of how many reps are doing because I'm trying to watch absolutely everything going on. But it's the individual detail that's going to make the step for a footballer to develop as opposed to just doing one plan fits all and then hoping it does some damage and like actually does some effect to the person. And a lot of people just kind of spitball it and just be like, yeah, get a load of stuff, chuck it in the wall, see what sticks and hope it works.
1: Yeah. No, brilliant. It sounds like you've kind of got to individualise your training for yourself. And definitely with like different sports you play, the different things you do, it's got to be specific to you as you train. Um, And I guess you do that individually and you cater for everyone as an individual, um, as a personal trainer, strength and conditioning coach. Um, I think that my question for you would be, is that only for athletes? So is strength and conditioning only for athletes? Or do you think that everyone can train athletically? Do you think that, I don't know, 50 year olds, 60 year olds can train and should train athletically? What are your opinions on that?
0: Or just an everyday guy like me. Could I train athletically, Mike?
1: Oh, hands, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's nothing stopping anyone from doing anything.
2: But then it comes down to a certain thing of some people just need to move more.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And for the, the factor of some people wanting to move more, they're going to want to do something they enjoy. And if training ath- like an athlete is something that they're going to enjoy, I'm not in a position to say, no, you shouldn't be doing that. I'm in a position to say, right, You want this. Let's set something that's going to be a realistic guideline or a stepping stone to get into that. Because I can't just be someone that's just lost or needs to lose five stone. I can't be like, right, what we're going to do is we're going to train you like an athlete and just lose the weight. I need to go through that weight loss phase first. Then you can start training like an athlete. There's not like a black and white in terms of who can and can't but then it's also just the approach and even just pinning it back to football. I can't put the same approach on a centre-forward or a winger as it would to a centre-back because the physicalities of each player are going to be completely different. Mm-hmm. It's one that's going to be quick and afford in a wing position and someone that's centre-back. I need them to be strong and their jumping, cap- jumping capability to be the best possible for what their scenarios are going to be within a game. So it's looking at the approach of the individual, seeing what their starting place is, and then addressing it directly and not just being submissive to just being like an athlete can only train like an athlete. because he's, he's not. Does, a,
0: does he, that relate to you, Millie, as well? The fact that obviously you're playing as a centre midfielder, you played as a centre back previously um, in your career as well. Does that relate in terms of how you've had to train differently for different positions on the pitch?
1: Yeah, def- uh, really good question, but definitely, yeah. Um, I was a centre-back for around 10 years or so. And then later in my career, when I was around 22, I transitioned into midfield, into attacking midfield, actually. And it took me a good season to kind of adapt physically to that because I, I was quick, but I wasn't that quick. And I was, I would say I was athletic I wasn't that athletic, not as much as you need to be in the midfield. You know, you have to be very dynamic in midfield. And it did take me a good season. Um, And I was I went to Italy when I first transitioned into midfield and they do a lot of running. Their training, is the training I had was basically just running. We just ran for the whole of the year, pretty much. But it did get me really fit and it did help me to build my capacity to play in the midfield. Um, and I know some of our girls now in the team, they do train different differently, like whether you're a centre-back, whether you're a winger, there are differences, like physically. Um Yeah. And, Mike, just a quick one for you. Do you find it easy to train different people? Like, do you like the variety of people you train?
2: Yeah. Like, a lot of my clients are just gen pop at the minute. But then for the individuals, that I they'll come at me, but there's nothing from a day-to-day that means that an individual is going to be absolutely bob on i might have Mm -hmm. different issues for different people people running this by time they might have picked up a running injury i have to Mm -hmm. address that directly and then i can't be like well i want to improve your squat but you have a hamstring strain on one side i can't not address that first it's like learning to walk before you can run
3: Mm
2: -hmm. and People just, so, I think, a lot of personal trainers just kind of brush it to the side and just be like, well, it'll, it'll, it's just strength stuff. It'll just sort itself out. And yeah. there's major differences for
1: you're me. You're right. Everyone's different. Everyone's different. Even whether you play football or not, whether you're an athlete or not, everybody is different. And I guess, yeah, you're right. You've got to address who the person is and yeah. what they need before you can do anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah does that get challenging sometimes like do you want to train in a certain way but first of all they've got to do something else
2: so i think this is potentially a bigger issue within the industry itself as a personal training side is people like to train individuals in the way that the personal trainer likes to be training and they just carry that over and just be like well i enjoy it so they must enjoy it Mm -hmm. and I i can't paint everyone with the same brush because then it's just you can just copy my plan because it's like i put my training footage on instagram half the people that follow me might not even need any of it no but the people that do it's great but then i want to try and work with the people that will need that kind of stuff. and it's like you said about the differences in between the leagues positions everything else like there's so many different physicalities even just to run it like you get As a centre-back, you're really only facing a a very big degree between your goalkeeper, who's to your side and who's in front of you, so you're 360. If you're a winger, you've got your back to a line, so you only need 180. So it's the ability to turn, chop, and change direction and everything else. And if you've got a lagging injury or if you've got a knee issue that's something that's going to keep coming up, Mm
3: -hmm. you're
2: going to keep getting injured. So I have have this now where it's like someone comes to me and they've got an injury or an issue. Like, right, okay, I'm going to spend three weeks sorting that. Then every week I'm going to start a session, readdress it, readdress it, readdress it. Like just because it's fixed doesn't mean it's gone. Because then people just hope that the feeling's gone and it gets into a bit more of like the pain science kind of stuff where it's like people are so used to the sensation of a pain after a long period of time that they don't sense the pain anymore doesn't mean that you're not going to cause more damage at that muscle side or that joint side. So you need to address it and just be like, patience is a massive thing. Like you said, you spent a year <laughs> trying to develop a new position. Most people outside of football will just be like, well, you're just playing football. It can't be that hard to pick up. Mm-hmm. It's completely different. And I have this issue, issues between a knee and a hip and like, oh yeah, but it's the leg. I'm like, yeah but the knee is a hinge and hip is a ball and socket and they'll all affect each other down the line. So I can't just be like,
0: this is it. Yeah. So much 100%, longer. yeah. Definitely. Because with me, why I stopped uh, boxing, amateur boxing, was because I had a recurring knee injury from, from when I was younger as well. Probably established it when I was playing cricket or football um, as a teenager. And it's just one of those things that they said what you just said now like my trainers they like oh if you don't address it properly you may not be able to walk as well or run as well and do this and do that so I stopped boxing completely um back in like 2020 and it was it was quite sad because I really enjoyed boxing I really enjoyed the fitness side of things as well but now I just play football every week two three times a week but it's not as hard on your knees and people think oh because you're outside you're running it's more hard on your knees but it's definitely harder when you're boxing for two minutes around three minutes around for an hour or so than it is to run for an hour as a footballer because you get to have breaks in between the balls not always in your area that type of thing at the same time so it really uh, related to me when you talked about how one part of your body can affect other parts of your body as well Mike. because there's so much that people will just shrug off they'll think oh yeah something's hurt for me it'll just be that bit that needs to be uh mended or focused on but it's not the truth is it Mike is it
3: no
2: no like people look at it and just be like the pain is the pain at one joint is just one site, and it's like I look at lower back pain as a major issue of people. And it's like you'll look at something called the kinetic chain, which is basically everything running down: ankle, knee, hip, um, right down to the spine, all the way up. And if there's a weakness within one part of that chain, the the, the load which would perceivably be put on that site would then be spread to the site either side. Weak glutes, lower back pain, et cetera, et cetera. That's like a dead basic easy one. But then if you've got no stability within your knee, your hip and your ankle are more likely and more susceptible. So like a big one, if you look at people that roll their ankles a lot at football, you look at the stability they've got within their hip and their knee is very poor. And that'll typically just keep going on and on and on. Not as like a monthly basis as well, but I think it's like 67% of injuries happen from like 60 minutes and up in injuries in football and it's like it's not might not be you're doing the wrong thing it's just you're not addressing it because you're getting fatigued you're not addressing it properly at the right time and then you're not adapting your training to meet the demand of that if you're increased work capacity over 90 minutes yes it's going to be stop start it's better and you're not having to worry about what's going on in the game, and you can actually focus on what the body's doing, you're going to be in a better position to perform. But if you're halfway through a match, you know you've got another 45, and your body's just not doing what it's supposed to, you're landing and your ankles are going, you're going to be susceptible to a lot more injuries. So it's just addressing the problems away from just one side, which is like... I've just made that a completely different analogy in that as well, but all muscle size, overall fatigue, that's two big ones. and I think people, especially when they don't get help off the football pitch, they don't tend to address. Because they'll only address it when it slights itself as an issue. However, if you did the work beforehand, it addresses itself before it even needs to be identified.
0: If I'm yeah, it definitely makes sense, because it's one of those things that we have a lot of people that listen to this podcast and they're trying to get into something brand new. They may be trying to look at doing something different, but if someone is looking at trying to get a personal trainer or they are trying to get into fitness or trying to start a new gym routine or something, what are the three things that you can suggest to our listeners, to our audience? And probably just to me as well, because you know that um, hopefully that you and I will be working this summer together as well. Like what three yeah. things can we avoid to not do so we we basically don't have to do it or should avoid to do it um when starting like a new routine a new way of training a new regime what's the three different things that you think we shouldn't be doing or definitely not to be doing (laughs) this is interesting um not looking at
2: movements as just a movement because a lot of them are actually skill as well it's not something you just walk in like i think a lot of people just walk in put a barbell in the back and they think they can squat I'm like, there's a lot more to a squat than just going, yeah, okay, now I fall to the floor and stand back up. Every, di- every person has a different dynamic, so don't rush in, don't load movements quickly, spend your time learning the skill. If it was anything else in life, you'd spend time learning it. So actually learn the skills that you think you <laughs> don't necessarily need to learn, because even for jumping, jumping for most people, they'll just be like, that's just second nature but for like going back to football, jumping isn't just jumping when you might have to jump again or face a different direction to then start running. it. So stop looking at everything as being so simple and spend time learning each skill as you go. Second one would be a lot of other people have been in the same scenario as you. So don't beat yourself down if it takes you a bit more time, but then other people have been in that scenario. So find those people. Because they will have done the mistakes for you and can just address it directly for you or say, hey, I've seen this. Is this good or is this bad? That's bad. Okay, great. It saves you some time as well. Because I'm, I'm more than happy to get people messaging me and being like, is this true or not? Like, no, it's just a load of. I don't know if you're PG rated on this podcast or.
0: <laughs> but- nah, we, you can swear if you need to. So don't <laughs> tend to swear. <laughs>
2: Keep it kid friendly, but yeah, yeah, If you need to look at it in terms of oh, I think we froze. Yeah, oh, like we're back. We're okay. uh, yeah, if it's just a load of garbage or not, but then it's oh no, nope,
0: we're okay.
2: Oh, we good? We're good, we're good. good. I was like, I'm not going to keep on ranting because then I'm going to forget what I said. Um, So so it's going to be one of them ones where you just learn and ask. Don't be afraid to ask. That's a massive one. Definitely. And the third one. There's no no black and white. Oh.
0: Could i going to have there's, to elaborate on that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, don't worry. Well, <laughs> there's like, there's not a specific thing that you need to be doing to get results. Yep. You don't have to follow what this person's doing. You don't have to follow what that person's doing. I think confidence is a big one that I get, especially with women that come to me as clients. Okay. People come into the gym and women come into the gym and I the think they get quite... What's uh, so I don't have to... There's just a lot within fitness, and especially if you get into the S and C side and the strength and conditioning side, there is a lot of information, and there's a lot going on in a gym. You've got loads of machines, you've got loads of free weights, and it's like, where do I put it to work? This, etc., etc. Just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean that you need to do it. But then it's just spending the time, and then you've been like, right, confidence is what. Things will come with knowledge. And when the knowledge is developed, everything else will develop on its own. Because Mm. I think knowledge is power, as the old saying goes. And once you have that, you can walk into a gym, especially if you have a plan as well. You can walk straight in, right? I'm using this, 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 and this. You're not standing there like, I don't know what I'm doing, which I think is why a plan on its own. For as much as it will be directly involved to the person, like I said earlier, in terms of what they need, it gives them the confidence to not waste a load of time in the gym and then also be doing stuff that could potentially get them injured because I'm big on the the warm-up and making it ideal for the person. Then also making it time efficient because for footballers, if you're training two, three times a week and you're playing, you haven't got the time to be training like three, four times a week in the gym. Mm-hmm. Recovery just takes too much. So you mm-hmm. need to look at it in the fact of like, okay, if I can only get two sessions in a week, what phase of my cycle am I actually in to actually then do I need to develop strength? Do I need to develop power? Okay, how can I do that in two sessions? Let's, let's design a plan to that. When do I fit that in with my, within my week? okay. That's another question we address. You leave no stone unturned, especially for my side. Like, I want to help someone and set them up to a position where they don't have any hesitation in what's going on. Because if they are, then, then they're going to get unsure, then they're getting nervous, and then they start doing stuff off plan and potentially cause a greater hole of recovery or even worse, just get injured.
1: Because Definitely. Go on, think, carry on. No, I've
2: just got a bit of a rant there. Um, there's, an, there's a thing, I can't remember what the principle's called, but it's minimal effective dose, um, maximum recoverable volume. So mm-hmm. you'll you get this a lot with football when there's there's a certain degree of work where you do a little bit of work and it's going to be beneficial. So it's, an, it's a bell curve. And it's yeah. like you can if you'll get to a certain point where you put that much work in and it's not going to actually help your performance, it's going to start being detrimental and then it's going to put you in more of a hole and then it's going to f- start affecting your game day and your recovery. So my, fr- going back to just saying the three, going the plan and having confidence. I've, I've gone not that long. I've got, Black right. and white, wasn't it? Yeah. So that was black and white. Mm. Um, confidence is probably making it four. Yeah. Um, i much
3: of a rant I forgot.
1: I have a question off the back of the first one.
3: Okay. Which was
1: right. you said something about doing a squat and just putting, like, I don't know, eight kilograms on the bar and just squatting down and up. Yeah. I, f- I feel like the squat is a massive exercise. What everyone knows how to do, it, everybody knows what it is. My mum knows what it is.
0: Yeah. What it's is it, Millie? A... I don't know what it is.
1: You don't know what it is?
0: I'm joking. <laughs> I just wanted to throw it out there. To... I was going to say, you'll case... find
1: out with Mike in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs>
0: Definitely. No, just in case you don't, if anyone doesn't know what it is, can you just explain what it is, just for our listeners, who's never done exercise and never been to the gym or never done any personal training at all? What would it, what would it look like for a squat, Millie? For me? Yeah.
1: It's basically how I like to describe it is when you stand up off a chair, Yep. you're using the same muscles as you use as a squat, or when you sit back into a chair, okay. it's basically you're coming up and down and using your leg muscles and it's a compound move- movement. So you're using a lot of muscles at the same time, basically. Fantastic. And probably that's why it's one of the best exercises, but there are a lot of variations, let's say of technique and I was just wondering, one, why is it important that we have the right technique on exercises? Um, And two, how can someone learn the right technique, the correct technique? Because there's so much information out there. Where can you go to?
2: Is there a right technique? It comes down to the individual. Like, I'll go over the biomechanics of it, and you'll have certain squat variations that will work towards the glutes more or towards a quads more and it's, it's very sore but then it's also working the individual so I look at it in terms of like limb length the squat mechanic that they will have to someone that's got really short legs is going to be completely different so it's addressing it in terms of like okay how are you going to be the most comfortable within this movement when you've got a load on your back as well because if you've lost your head before you go under that bar, I can guarantee you're going to lose your head when it's uh, when you're in the bottom position and trying to send back up. So squat variation is going to be dependent on how the com- person feels comfortable and confident. Because even after the top of my head, barbell squat, safety bar squat, dumbbell goblet squat, front squat, heel elevated squat. <laughs> like The list goes on. Box squat. Uh, What was the first part of your question again? Sorry, I'm going off. How do
1: someone, what is the importance of good technique in the gym?
2: Oh, okay, yeah. So, obviously, the the body's meant to move in certain ways. That's a a blanket. Everyone should know that. Um, (laughs) If we are not moving with the way the body should be moving, we're more susceptible for injury, especially if we're moving in certain directions where, like, we're letting the lower back um, lengthen too much and causing an injury. When it comes to movements like the squat, the deadlift, and everything else, because they are a free weight movement, they can go wherever they want. So, for you can look at it in terms of certain power output. So, do you both know a hack squat?
0: No idea. Never heard of it in my life. <laughs> so I'm
2: not even been-
0: joking. I'm not <laughs> even joking.
2: So it's basically a squat where you just run on the track of a machine. So you've got like a shoulder pad and you basically just load it up in that way. Okay. So for that, if you're doing anything in terms of strength work, 95% of the work you're going to be doing is force output. And 5% is just making sure that your joints are in the right position to do so. A squat, this is when I spoke about the skill part of it earlier you've got to think a lot more in terms of, right, am I in the right position? Am I balanced in the right direction to make sure that I can execute this? So then you can't start saying, like, okay, it's 70% power to make sure I can actually get stand back up, but it's 30% stability to make sure that I'm not <laughs> falling back with this bar on my back.
3: Hmm.
2: But that's when it comes important that, when I said it earlier, it's a skill to learn the movements and you, you need to learn the skill to help develop that power phase instead of just being like yeah could you call it away on my back and then i fail and then if someone's spotting behind me it just makes their life harder and it's also a lot riskier and that happens with everything deadlift or even a deadlift you can mitigate that and change it so a trap bar deadlift trap bar deadlift is basically just a hexagon bar but because of the positioning of the bar you're a lot safer and it also takes a little bit more strain off your lower back and your hamstrings because it involves a little bit more quad work you'll typically see trap bars moved uh, used a lot more with athletes just because it's a lot more easier to be explosive with weight as well because you can do a, like a jump with a loaded jump because it's easy because your handles are up to the side well down to your legs <laughs> that was my example sitting in a chair so it's looking at how you can set up for yourself but then also your comfort and confidence under the conditions if you're walking into a gym and you're not comfortable doing a barbell squat go and do the hack squat it's slightly different in terms of the dynamics of where you put your feet however the implications of what it'll do for you is the same then when you get more comfortable and confident start from the base up get squats and just work from there instead of just seeing someone lifting 100 kilos next to you and be like yeah he look i can do that that's easy well, you're not finding out that the person next to you got five years' experience of doing this, like Olympic lifting. People jump into Olympic lifting and think it's like the easiest thing in the world because you just grab a bar and throw it overhead. Millie can do that. <laughs> no. I love
1: no. Olympic lifting. I love it. <laughs> it's brilliant.
2: You can answer for yourself, though. It's like, did you get it bang on on the first go? Uh,
1: definitely not. i applaud anyone that does it's all about technique isn't it you have to get the right technique there that is one where if you don't get the technique right there's no point there's literally no point in doing it i guess i I was gonna i was gonna say i guess it causes injuries as well if you don't get the technique right in these exercises i guess it leads to injuries as well is that correct
2: yeah yeah, 100 because obviously you from that overhead Back and you're still, letting you're still holding on. You're going to fall back with it. So it's something that I'd look at a lot with people's training at an individual level, something called a risk-to-reward ratio. So it's like, okay, let's look at this movement. What's the reward we get from it? What's the risk involved to do such movement? Anything that's involved in a machine, if you generally fail, you fail in the way the machine intends to, and 99% of the time that there's a, a fail-safe or a safety like clip or end of range anything else with a barbell squat you've got a rack but then that increases the risk everything going forward olympic lifting risk to reward you're probably looking is the highest but then it's like i'm not gonna give someone that doesn't need to olympic lift olympic lifting for someone that needs to develop the power okay yes we're gonna have to spend a bit more time but the reward to this for you is going to be a lot more substantial so if we can time this right to the right time of year because I'm not going to do this middle of the season pre-season work okay great got a bit more time to spend on it because we're not playing as many games yes training's up but then we work in terms of work capacity work is increased so our aerobic capacity so like running range as an easy example is increased okay let's look at something that's going to be a little bit more demanding physically in the gym then take our less physically exertive work into like mid-season because that's like i think a lot of people would call it like the maintenance phase and i don't really like calling it the maintenance phase because i feel like that's just saying what you're setting yourself not to develop
0: could you call it a foundation phase or something like that? Again, sorry. Could you call it like a foundation phase? If, for example, let, yeah, let's say Millie, for example, actually, is her preseason coming up soon? Yeah, go on, Millie. It's the prime example you'd be using you as an example for personal fitness. You've got your season coming up in September. You mm-hmm. may want to try learning two, three different exercises, which could help you stamina-wise, strength-wise, and probably let's say, for example, you want to work on your lower body and you want, to, you want to make sure that something's working. But you've never tried these exercises before. And Mike's here as your your strength and conditioning uh, trainer as well. Obviously, we know you're a personal trainer by trade as well, Millie, so you have had that experience at the same time. But what would you be looking at from Mike in terms of how he can kind of drip feed this new information into you in terms of this is why this exercise would work really well? How can that kind of work for both yourself, Millie, as as let's say the student and for Mike who is going to be the trainer teaching you new different ways because again it's, we've learned over this podcast it's not all about giving you all the information all the information all the time the drip feed is quite a good way of hosting new information but I'll start with you Millie actually how do you think it would kind of work if you were to learn some new exercises because of the benefits of why um, it can help you going forward as well to bring you something new to your training at the same time?
1: I mean yeah personally if there is something new and I knew it was going to help me I would do it 100% if it was going to help my game there's no doubt that yeah let's do it and I guess this off season now is the window that everyone panics and everyone's like oh I need to get do this training this training this training this training all the way up to pre season because everyone wants to go into pre season flying nowadays everybody that you know is on their game wants to do that um, and I think for an athlete, and from what I know, it's important to build the muscle during this part of the season. It's important to build the building blocks because we don't get chance during the season, really. We don't get chance to do the heavier weights, the muscle building. It's more about, like, keeping that muscle and maintaining it. We don't like the maintenance phase wording, but it's about maintaining and, like, periodization throughout the the season so I guess going into the off season, it's a great question I would want to learn these new exercises um for me personally as soon as possible <laughs> and yeah I mean honestly yeah if there's a ch- opportunity to learn and to do it now's the time because you get what N- not even you get a month or so six weeks off
0: yeah maybe, six weeks crazy and then you're back like into pre-training, pre then you're back into pre-season training and then back into exactly. the routine of it for the rest of the season as well. Mike, what do, yeah. you, what do you kind of add to, add to what Millie just said as well? Anything in particular stand, stand out, out, out for you out. from what Millie said? So,
2: obviously, it's the li- people, I think, address a off-season phase as a learning phase and there's never a really a time when you can't not learn something. It's just your ability to address the period and just be like, well... Obviously, you know, on a week to week basis, and especially when it comes to the weekend, that's your most physically demanding. Mm -hmm. Nothing stopping you actually being able to learn a movement just a a life load. Like Olympic lifting, I'm not coming in and saying, right, I need you to Olympic lift 100 kilos, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like clean and jerk. That's like, that that would be your off-season work. But moving with a barbell isn't overly exertive, especially if you do it away from training and everything else. So if we're look, looking at it in terms of actually learning movements, I don't think there's just one specific period. I think like I have a I'm a mini system at the minute, and I just I don't particularly like it because it's basing it off the off season ending and then going through. So it sets very short windows of opportunity for muscle building phase, strength phase, power phase. There is a principle I learn and it's old, it's Mourinho from his Porto days that he used something called morpho cycle.
0: Okay, I've he heard
2: of that. Yes, yeah, so he basically adapted the training method and worked on different things away from the game day. So it's obviously like the strength phase when we're working at max strength and 100% is going to be our most exertive phase. So obviously that's going to stay away from a game day. But everything that's going to be like a priming kind of thing, it's like light load, explosive movements, it's going to get your body primed and ready to go into the next game. So I think a lot of people kind of just set everything as block periodization, which is basically like a month at a time, six weeks at a time. And not to like copy it out and just be like, well, no, you just follow the same program all the way through. It obviously is different if you are like midweek games, but then you just adapt it ever so slightly but then you might have a time when you might not have a game for two weeks. You know that time in the winter season. Yes, it's halfway through the season, but because of weather implementations, you might not have a game for three weeks. Pitch is frozen, waterlogged. Doesn't mean you're training has to stay exactly the same when you're not playing as many games.
0: And of course, during the pandemic as well. Uh, so yeah. The pandemic, obviously, a couple of years ago when people had that opportunity to train from home. And one prime example I can take out is when... Um, Bayern Munich midfielder Leon Goretzka, he literally changed his body from being just a slight centre midfielder to being almost like a bodybuilder shape. And he really worked hard on his body in that block periodization, that like you said as well, from March 2022. And remember, Germany were the first nation to bring back uh, football from the pandemic as well. Now that was end of May, early June as well, into stadiums. And it's, it was crazy to see how he just changed in one month just on focusing his mentality no, not really on his mentality but on his, on his on his mood because he went from being like a like a sort of slight midfielder to a uh to a, like an almost bodybuilder so I can put that picture on the edit later on and you'll all see everyone watching but Mike knows who it is Millie do you know who I'm talking about
1: I know who you're talking about
0: yeah. um do you remember that that build-up from what he would look before and then how he looks now it's crazy
1: yeah do, how like how did that affect his performance do you know
0: He's become even better. He's become like Germany's number one midfielder now. Really? Literally, yeah. Because before he'd be like a squad player, in and out of the team. He won the Champions League that summer as well. He won the Bundesliga this season. He's recovered from his injury splights at the same time. At the same time, he used to be uh, as a younger player, be a lot more injury prone as well. So he actually improved even more physically as well as uh, as a football player as well, which was crazy to see.
2: Something's in the water, Bayern.
0: And that's what happens when players go to different play, uh, teams around the world, like Gareth Bale, he bolted up when he went to Real Madrid. Benzim is one of them as well. Ronaldo, obviously, he became a monster when he went to Real Madrid from a slight winger to the beast that he is now as well. Robert Lewandowski again at Bayern Munich. And that's what a lot of these top football clubs, I know we are not really talk about football today, or well, we are, we're merely on the podcast, we always talk about football. But in, in that kind of sense, it's kind of like a really good example of that as well and there's a a former cricket player who uh he became a bodybuilder actually Chris Tremler used to play for England I don't know if you've heard of him Mike, but he's someone who uh literally he went from being like a slight tall man to being like a proper bodybuilder and it's ridiculous to see how people can focus on their body on different ways when they're focusing on other things besides what they're kind of doing as well which is which is really fun Mm -hmm. to see really exciting to see as well um, but Mike, we are at the end of the podcast coming up. Millie normally has some quick-fire questions for us as well. And she loves this part of the podcast. I've seen recently how she really enjoys having loads of different job interview type questions. And to be fair, I've joined in as well. I've joined in as well. It's like, we don't want to do the same ones all the time for different for same for different people. But uh, Millie, I'll let you start off with the quick-fire questions and I'll end the podcast today, if that's all right.
1: Okay. Of course, yeah. So, Mike... I wanted to know if there was somebody, let's go with three people, Mm. you would love to train. Any three people in the whole world you would love to train, who would they be?
0: It would be like me, Millie, and someone else, I guess. It's interesting when you say it's trained because they're going to learn from me, but
2: there's certain individuals like Ronaldo and Louis, as we've just said then, and it's like, yes, I'm training them to help them, but I also learn in their physicality as well. Because for, the phys- for as much as we spoke about personal training and everything else, it's the mentality of what they drive to be able to be like, recovery is never going to be ideal. So you need to look at it and be like, right, they have had a certain mindset instilled into them to just keep pushing and keep progressing. Mm-hmm. So I'd probably say those two. And then probably a youngster within the league, probably either Phil Bowden. Oh, Phil Phil from Stockport.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Connor, Gallagher. Because be obviously good. their physicalities already are quick. Mm. And you can get them strong as well. Yeah. That, that'd just be a killer combination for me. Especially because I think a lot of fo- young footballers worry about putting on too much muscle and then the, they lose the physicality of sprinting. That's not always the case. Do you, know who I,
0: do you know who I think would be really good to have like to look different in like five, six years? The left back for Crystal Palace, Mitchell. I think Tarek Mitchell, with the slight figure that he is, I know he's only like a kid, like 19, 20 years old. If he was to look like Roberto Carlos, prime Roberto Carlos in like five, six years with a proper personal trainer, that would be absolutely fantastic personally. It'd be really good to see that as well. Yeah. Just you just see- following mm-hmm. on, Yeah. Just following on from Millie's question. Who are the three most famous people you've trained or worked with, Mike?
2: <laughs> I wouldn't really say anyone famous at the minute,
0: no. Um, are you working with athletes at the moment?
2: A couple, yeah. But mm. it's, it's just the development phase for me because obviously it's quite hard at this phase when we're literally just about to wrap up the season. So like mm. a lot of conversations I'll have with people are now. <laughs> yeah, because That's when people, footballers begin to realise like, this is my time to develop. And I have not thought about that. Like I said earlier, the skill development phase doesn't just start at the end of the season. It's like a couple of weeks before. Yeah. That's Honestly.
1: exactly what I did last week, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh God, it's time. <laughs> yeah.
2: And it's like, there's nothing stopping you going through the prepping phase in terms of like all the movement prep and the warm-up prep. Because you've just had an entire season and you're probably going to downplay a couple of the weeks just to recover. Then just panic and then push into a like a strength phase. So it's like, okay, yeah, long demanding season. Can we start putting in a little bit of prep work so that we're actually physically able to move a little bit better and then progress into a strength phase pr- pretty much straight away, as opposed to just finishing the season feeling really stiff and really sorry for yourselves? So taking a bit of downtime of them precious few weeks that you have to truly push aggressively towards getting some strength and getting some power
3: mm-hmm.
2: and then go from there. So it's a lot of people leave time on because even for the prime years of a football, especially if you looked at it in the pren, you properly get into the season when you're 20, 21 and retire when you're 30, that's 10 years, that's 10 pre-seasons.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: if you're looking at it, as you get two months, it's in 20 months of your career, you can only develop and you're wasting two weeks, three weeks of that to rest,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you're probably looking at about a year to develop intent on actually being a better player physically.
1: So yeah, that's what I don't think. Insane.
2: You can't look at this, the off-season as the only time to develop. Yeah. That is such a small window.
1: <laughs> how important is that balance then, just quickly? How important is the balance from rest? And I don't know, you take two weeks off, to really recover because they're so important as well. Once you finish the season, it's so important to take them. But then how important is that balance to then, I don't know, on week three, let's say, you don't want to go smashing the gym straight away and running 10K a day. Do you know what I mean? You've got to gradually get into it, right?
2: So you can look at it in. I can can add one word and that'll make it a completely different game, just active recovery.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: If you completely drop off and you go and sit on the sofa for two weeks, it's going to take you a lot longer because your body's going to feel even more battered. Everyone that I have, even as a performer now, like everyone that plays rugby twice on a weekend, if I don't get him moving on a Monday, he's going to feel sore for a lot longer. Mm -hmm.
1: How do you do that? What is active recovery?
2: So looking at the movement and the mobility that we currently can access and then also just keeping it at a steady pace so you look at it in terms of heart rate training and it's like, right, well, that's, that's basic work, capacity work when you're looking at saying you can't complete a game when your heart beats at 170 beats per minute because you're, you physically can only keep that up for like five minutes. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to regulate your heart rate for like 140, 130, because that's the potential to regulate it for an entire game. If it's as easy as just saying, right, what we're going to do is we're going to stick in we're going to work at 130 beats per minute do some lace so low intensity steady state jump on a format that's not too demanding typically a bike because so obviously you've got the impact of a treadmill and running so it's nice getting the joints moving look at the mobility that we can access and actually just keeping the body generally fresh in movement mm-hmm. like dynamic work not just going and doing static stretching. Because nothing that you do as a footballer or an athlete is static. Mm-hmm. You need to work in terms of getting that athletic base down, getting the dynamic working and improving that capability. Mm-hmm. So that when you get to that second and third week, it's not just a complete culture shock to you to actually just start and get it straight into it. Cause then you don't panic, then wait another one or two weeks, prepare it again. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're halfway through your preseason. <laughs> And the club's coming back and saying, right, OK, we're going to get started again. And you've mm-hmm. done two weeks of strength work, which you were doing three sessions a week. You're not going to develop on six gym sessions.
1: Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in as an athlete doing it solo, isn't it? There's a lot of information, like you said at the beginning of the, of the podcast, there's a lot of information out there and there's loads of different elements to it. And I guess even for like the general population, walking into the gym and seeing all those the different elements to it. And essentially, I guess that's why it's important to have someone like yourself, right? Coaching yeah. them. That's what it's all about. That's that's why we do it, isn't it?
2: It might not even be having like a massive plan in place. It might literally just be like, right. It might just be someone saying something to you and just be like, right, we haven't got this talent. We haven't got time to be taking this such a big chill out period for as much as I know you want it and as much as you need it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: If you want to get better and progress in your game and then progress to a higher league. You need to be putting in that work.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And if you don't structure that work to suit the demand or create the demand to help you develop, isn't much point of having an off season. Definitely.
3: Definitely. Yeah.
0: Jinx. But no. That's, that's really good to, to hear that point of view as well, because for me personally, I've told Millie before, I've never been someone who's really big on gym. I've never really enjoyed it as much as I could have done. But after learning from you yourself, Mike, and hearing what Millie had to say as well, it's really interesting, quite fascinating to learn the other side of it from the personal trainer's point of view, from the strength and conditioning side of things as well. It was really good to hear that point of view as well. Just before we do wrap up the podcast, Mike, I did want to ask you, If there was someone who you could recommend that we could interview that you know as well, so maybe, like you said, you had a rugby player in mind, if you have interviewed, no, if you have worked with, like, I know, semi-professional footballers, other bodybuilders, boxers, for example, like that. If there is anyone, who would you recommend to come on the podcast so we could learn more from them as well? So, obviously, like,
2: if you wanted to go bodybuilding, bodybuilding, so, like, I'm part of a team between me and a guy called Zach so we're Team Lineheart, which okay. is his original brand. He is competing this year on stage. So he's about, by this point, he's probably nine weeks out. Yeah. So in terms of like understanding the mental and physical side of that, he'd probably be the best person. And I can definitely have a conversation with him for you. Um,
1: That'd be brilliant. But
2: yeah. And then there's also, a I know, a personal trainer as well. He plays for a club. I think he's semi-pro. I think he's semi. Yeah, but he plays for Congleton. Oh, okay. So he, I think he plays with any bail fans. Tom Pope, or he trains with Tom Pope. Yeah, yeah. So like he he's in at that level, and then he's a, he's c as well. So he can get it from the plain side as well. Like I'm the I'm the out side in, easy inside out. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So that might be an also good one for you. But I can definitely speak to Miles as well because Miles is also my co-host for my podcast. Exactly. <laughs> so he's used to podcast as well. Mm. So yeah, it's that will be two options. Um, but then I can definitely recommend some more to you. But um, as I hopefully develop within my career, because <laughs> it's not been the best
0: two years to be a PT. But we're coming out of that stage as well, and everyone's coming yeah. back into it. Like me, I'm coming back into it and we're going to be working together hopefully this summer, Mike. So I'm looking forward to hopefully looking like the brown Henry Cavill by the end of the summer, which will look really well. Millie, that went over ahead as another film reference. It did. (laughs) Don't worry, this happens all the time. Basically, Henry Cavill was the man that plays Superman. So um, it was like Uh, a brown Superman reference type thing. So, okay. Makes yeah, more sense, definitely. But Henry Cavill's a, a good actor anyway, which is quite good. But uh no, before we wrap up, Millie, I just want to say thank you very much for your time today and uh, your efforts on the beautiful Mind Game. It's always appreciated. It's great as work always. that we've had all week, as always. It is Mike. I wanted to thank you for your time and your efforts today on the podcast. We will leave your description of your social medias below in the in the description below. And do you want to just let us know before we wrap up what your podcast is about because you said you haven't been doing it recently and. Hopefully, if we get back into it, it'll be good to listen to some new episodes from um, your podcast. So what is it about, Mike?
2: So it's, we call it Two PTs, One Podcast, um, hmm. and we basically just address, like, the conversations that we've had with clients directly or questions that we get a lot from clients. So the most recent one that we did was about carbs. Yeah. Well, we looked at it, obviously, from the Gen Pop approach that most people think carbs are evil. And mm-hmm. also because I do sport nutrition as well, um, cover it from the actual performance side as well. So not just looking at food as food, but like what's food going to do for us in the performance yep. aspect as well. So general stuff like that. A little bit more deep dive into like specific topics because I've, well, we've both gone into menstrual cycle for women as well. And generally performance as well. I've run, like, mini courses and that for clients in the past. And then just generally just half the time we just go off on a tangent and just chat (laughs) because he's a Man City fan as well. So we just have a good laugh, have a natter, and then
0: it's generally just fitness and PT content. Two PTs in a pod would have been a good podcast, name. (laughs) Get it? Two PTs in a pod. How have, have you not got that? Two PTs and a podcast. Like, two PTs and a pod is such a wordplay. It works so well. We asked our followers at the time.
2: And that was like, because we, we initially launched it on lockdown. So I we've got all the time in the world we might as well. Same format yeah. as it. That's why I've got the mic as well. <laughs> so it kind of nah. works for me. Um, but yeah, it's just general matter half the time. But yeah, no, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Anchor. I think, as well. He deals with the anchor side. I deal with the YouTube side. Um, just find two PCs, one podcast, and you'll
0: see My Ugly Mug and Miles. And, yeah. Fantastic. Nicely done. Brilliant. By the way, Millie's a Man City fan as well, so you, you could have another Man City fan on the podcast as well. I am in indeed. Future, which needs I, to be I'm done.
2: partial. I'm partial. I've had, uh, I've had ex-girlfriends that are a City fan, so they took me to games. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of one that copies with me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, stoke a lot, especially when I was younger, but I haven't really got much time to pay attention to football. Zach
0: is an Arsenal fan, so he is not a happy bunny today. That's okay. We don't we don't particularly talk about Arsenal on our podcast <laughs> anyway, on Friday Night counter attacks, so it's all good. And when we do, it's normally negative as well. My, my parents don't appreciate that, but it's all good. They're <laughs> Arsenal fans, basically. Um, but no, Mike, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much for being so open and honest with your conversation. Everyone listening, I'd like to uh, announce that Millie and I will be continuing this series going forward. It's not going to be like a series one or a season two or anything like that. We are looking to continue this further. So we are looking at moving things forward. So that's why if there is anyone out there who wants to come onto the Beautiful Mind Game, who has a story to tell, who is an ordinary person but has an extraordinary story, just like with Mike today as well, feel free to get in contact with us on social media or on YouTube or any of our other social media platforms that you'll see as well. Millie, thank you very much for your time today as always. Mike, thank you very much again. It's been great. Take care and goodbye.
1: Peace.